0: Today's modern TV ecosystem has largely been built in silos, as legacy media companies and newer streaming platforms have amassed content, technology and audiences independent of one another. This has worked in favor of a few platforms. Nielsen's State of Play report found that 64% of streaming viewers expressed a desire for an aggregated bundle to make selecting content easier. This panel from Advertising Week New York 2022 explores how standardization around measurement, ad quality, and other rules of engagement will help create a streamlined path forward.
1: I'm Sean Buckley, Chief Revenue Officer at Magnite. So great to have you all here. We are joined by two of the brightest minds in our industry, Jamie Power, SVP of Addressable Sales at Disney Advertising, and Dan Gallahan, SVP of Data Strategy and Sales Innovation at Fox Corporation. So the purpose today is to uh, discuss building a more unified TV experience for both advertisers and audiences. Uh, Jamie, Dan, fair to say that today's modern TV ecosystem has a fair share of silos and fragmentation from both a business perspective and from a consumer perspective. So Dan, why don't you kick us off? Let's start with the content discovery process for consumers. Obviously, you know, being a consumer myself, I, yeah. it's still difficult. I wanna watch the show I wanna watch. How do I get there? So from a, from a programming, programmer perspective, how do you think about that consumer experience in streaming? I mean, I think the,
2: the streaming experience is critical to, to be important, right? I think to your point, it's fragmented. We've probably, done ourselves some disservices by trying to push the content out as broadly and as rapidly as we have to the masses. Um, from my own view and behavior, I oftentimes forget what content I'm watching and what platform or service it's on. So I do think you know, we've got to figure out a way to, to make it easier, make content discovery more seamless. Um, and I think we're trying to do that through marketing. We're trying to do that by bringing our content to the forefront um, and being on the platforms where users are consuming. Um, but it's, it's certainly challenging today. Jamie, what do you think?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's crazy. It's fragmented. It's harder and harder to find content. But if I have someone on our platforms, it's all about relevance and it's relevance through data. So using data to target a r- audience and then also using data to figure out what type of ads a consumer will accept in a streaming environment. So. We've created new ads like pause ads and binge ads to be more thoughtful. And again, it's about using the data to kind of understand um, what's working for the consumer and what's not because the data doesn't lie.
1: Dan, you brought up an interesting point. I just want to sort of dig in a little deeper. You mentioned sort of the changing philosophy around where you distribute uh, and and how. Like you have a a fast service inside the portfolio, Tubi. Uh, You obviously distribute amongst the smart TV manufacturers as an example. They have their own fast services in, in virtually all cases now. How do you think about that in terms of getting you know, be in front of consumers but also being environments where you know, the OEMs themselves have a similar offering? How do you differentiate in that setting?
2: Yeah, I think we're in the process of differentiating that. We talk about Foxify and Tubi all the time. Um, it's really started over the last eight months with our local channels, uh, news and weather, Fox Entertainment Programming, and, and coming up next quarter with the FIFA World Cup. So we are going to look to differentiate, continue to push content there that we think uh, audiences are in high demand for. Um, but Jamie makes a great point too, right? These fast channels and these libraries of, of a million things to watch, you've got to get people in. Um, I'm hopeful that our content in Fox is the differentiator to get people into the Tubi door. And then once they're in, you know, how do you keep serving them great content, great content, sticky content uh, to keep them in your platform? So I think you'll continue to see a, a major effort on behalf of us this year to uh, get people in and hopefully get them to stay and remain as, as loyal viewers.
1: So you touched on, on live briefly, and, and Jamie, I'm going to start with you on this one. So live, live events, live sports in particular, obviously a major part of both portfolios here. Um, when you think about monetizing live and streaming environments, particularly when you introduce programmatic, obviously it's, it's, it's very complex, but I think it also introduces opportunities. How do you look at monetizing live events specifically Uh, inside the Disney portfolio, Jamie?
3: Well, you know, interesting enough, when we look at, like, ESPN or any of the sports that we have, it's not just about live. So if I only sell um, the live experience to an advertiser, they're missing a large percentage of the audience and what happens around it. The other thing is programmatic for sports is a huge opportunity because 60% of the viewing occurs during the weekend. So if I can try to bring programmatic to the market and we can help make it easier for the buyers to buy and kind of reach that audience, that to us is important. And I would say whether it's live streaming, it doesn't really matter. What's important and what's kind of paramount is audience and using technology to aggregate the audiences at scale. So sports is, you know, live is where the audience is. So if I can bring them there live, if I could bring them there, you know, whether they're streaming as a replay, we want to make sure making it as easy as we can.
2: I mean, live is, is top of mind for us, right? You look at our portfolio, it's, you know, majority live news and sports. Um, we sell it really in two ways. We do what's called linear pass-through. So for those bigger broadcast moments where it is about the audience and its scale in totality, we are stitching through that linear commercial load so all the audiences or those brands are reaching the audience in, in, in total. Um, I'm excited about DAI. I think Jamie touched on programmatic into live sports. Um, we have seen. You know, on the weekend where there is that traffic spike, uh, anywhere between 10 and 20% of that inventory now being monetized programmatically. Uh, I think that's due to a few things. One, um, more people are streaming, more people are streaming live sports. So we're exceeding those forecasts and we're able to take advantage of that inventory. Um, But also, I forgot my second thought, but um, it's a a big opportunity for us to co-mingle, I guess, direct and programmatic. So the ability to have DAI where programmatic, and DirectSold can appropriately share that pod and take advantage of every break within uh, Yeah, I mean, it's industry. just
3: technology to find the audience at scale. Yes,
1: yes, it is. So easy. It well is. Said. You make it sound very easy. Uh, it's harder than Jamie makes it sound. <laughs> uh, so we talked a little bit about your portfolios and what that experience looks like. Let's flip a little bit to the buy side. So what, especially like in this, this last upfront cycle, like, what has the experience been like with the buy side you have sort of converged portfolios across both streaming and and linear what was that experience like where is the the buy side obviously sometimes the reality differs from uh what we read in the trades but be interested to get your perspective on on that experience
3: you know um so my career about 20 years ago i started as a media planner and the goal and the job of a media planner was simple it's how do you reach an audience as efficiently as possible I think that that's still kind of the goal, but I think because of fragmentation, it's harder to do so. So if I, if I think about if I was on the buy side now and how it would be different, I'm not sure that the buy side has the right kind of tools to be able to build um, a plan in a streaming-first world. So as I'm looking at plans now and trying to change the mindset of how media plans have been built for the last you know 25, 30 years, is it's not always starting to at, start with cable and then put in streaming. Um, the data says now if you start with streaming and then add on cable, it's actually a way more efficient way to buy. So even if the streaming CPAM might be higher um, because it's addressable and targeted, it's still the most efficient way to reach the audience. So I just think it's, it's kind of a force point, point of inflection. And we all need to do our best to expose the data, make sure that everyone has it, and we're not planning on legacy tools.
2: I think the systems part stands out to me, right? I do think in conversation and thought process, um, thinking about video and long-form content in totality is definitely where the minds of the buyers are, minds of the sellers are. I think you've seen a lot of agencies and selling teams restructure themselves to think about video in totality. Uh, it's systems, it's tech, and now it's, it's data and measurement, right? So I think those silos there of how do you activate, how do you plan, it's still very um, separate within our walls. I, I've never been on the agency side, but I, I get the sense it's very differentiated still on their side where you have to go into different systems and plan. Uh, and we're doing the best we can to, to cobble those together, to unify them, um, you know, again, to make it more frictionless, to make it easier, but uh, some, some systems advanced, advancements to uh, keep pace with the way people are streaming, I think is, is critical for us to continue to be successful here.
1: And on that front, obviously the measurement discussion has been front and center, converged measurement, alternative currencies to some of the uh, uh, historical players, particularly on the linear side. Um, what's the reality on the ground? How, how central was that to your discussions? Is it, is it different from, from what we're reading versus how things are actually activating? How big a part of the future do you think that is? Do you think there will be really substantial change in the coming years or more status quo? What's your, what's your thought on that, Dan? I,
2: I do think change is coming, right? I think um, we've all been sort of exploring it, talking about it for the last couple of years. Um, I do think that the incumbent measurement provider has has definitely some solid footing to continue to be the the primary. But I think what we've begun to explore for ourselves as well as for some clients is um, a secondary target, more of a watch, begin to create a baseline, begin to uh, create some comforts around what that conversion could look like in the future. And I think as we continue to become more comfortable with those alternatives, understand how they perform against what we've been doing business with, or business on for you know the last 50 years, I do think that comfort will continue to to grow in some of these alternatives. But I don't think we're there where the flip has been fully switched today.
3: Um, so I, I agree. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for it. No, Dan's avoided being <laughs> on a panel with me for uh, a decade, and now when I'm at Disney, he's he's agreed. Um, so what Disney is doing and what we're really trying to do is you know let the advertiser tell us how they want to measure it so we're just enabling it making it open from a currency standpoint but for the last 10 years you know kind of growing up in the data and technology and addressable world it was always about outcomes so i almost don't really care about the currency Um, i care more about driving outcomes for our clients so you know we're taking the data we're using it we're listening to what the kpi is we're helping recommend audience segments and then we're showing and proving that it actually worked at the end of the campaign and I think going beyond the case study to, you know, have a data warehouse and be able to have real, scalable, actionable insights is where we start getting out of this test mindset. Because I really don't know what anyone's testing anymore. Like, it's a relevant audience and it drives outcomes. So I think the focus on it for us is really show improve, and then you know enable the marketplace to have the buy side to have measure it however they want.
2: I, I agree. On the, the buy side is going to dictate sort of which currencies uh, went out. I do think we have to have they would a currency say partner sorry
3: partner not dictate
1: you got one what? no no go go to do, do thing. <laughs>
3: i'm
1: not gonna interrupt you
2: um so yeah i mean but currency is important because you have to figure out how to price you have to figure out how to bill so yes the outcome is great we all want to get there we all want to give our content the, the credit that it deserves but I, I believe that this currency exploration conversation is definitely uh a lot more important because it's how we bill how we get paid and being comfortable with that metric on the buy side and the sell side really is is
1: critically important. What about first-party data, Jamie? Is that is that a, an integral part to your to your offering in market and leveraging your own first-party data?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I would say whatever data works for a client is the data that sh- they should use. Uh, we've seen success with our first-party data because it provides greater scale. So Disney offers you know thousands and thousands of Disney select segments that when you do a match against you know whether it's intenders in the auto category or a certain behavioral target we see audiences at greater scale and then when we retroactively look at campaigns when someone used a third-party segment because the robustness of the targeting and the scale it drives you know bigger better outcomes for the advertiser
2: I mean understanding our audience is is you know core to what we're going to do I think it's the brand's audience that matters more, at least in our environments. We don't have cruise ships and theme parks and uh, a place to create these uh, you know, robust profiles. But I think at the end of the day, people are coming to Fox for that audience. People are going to Disney for that audience. Um, it's kind of implied. And I, I do think it's more important to the QSR, the auto and, and the brand, all of the data collection and modeling they've done to activate that. So first party data is, is important. I think that from our perspective, the brand's first party data is what we care mostly about. We, not to say we don't care about our data or our, our audiences, but um, matching their targets to our audiences is, is where we've seen the most success uh,
1: with addressable advertising. And in the context of that, I'm obligated to ask as a partner, uh, how, how, how are buyers talking about sort of the traditional transaction models versus programmatic? Uh, you hear and read a lot about you know, everything from you know, uh, streaming and streaming advertising is going fully programmatic to programmatic has no place in streaming advertising. I think there are flavors of programmatic that maybe get lost in the shuffle, but how do you and your teams, like what are you hearing from buyers around, around programmatic versus traditional executions?
2: You want me to take it? I can go first. He's throwing these like toss ups to Jamie and I jump all. Yeah? Um, So I think it's still split, right? I still think you have a lot of traditional buying in the sense that uh, the brand knows it wants to be adjacent to certain content, right? And and coming in buying content, working through the traditional models of an IO and tags is is still a large part of our business. Um, We are growing, obviously, the programmatic capabilities. We're more comfortable with how programmatic monetization looks within streaming, within live. Um, so co-mingling, what is the right mix of sort of programmatic demand with direct demand? I think having direct demand to help set that baseline, drive a strong upfront and then sort of build your programmatic marketplace on top of that has been our, uh, approach for the last couple of years. But, um, you know, we, we hear all the time too, maybe there's there's, brands that have gone all programmatic or this budget is only available programmatically. So we have to be able to toggle between the two and support them both and making sure that our teams are are fluent in both the direct side of the business and the programmatic side of the business to go again and support what that brand or that advertiser wants to do and how they want to spend um, is is our approach now and, and we'll be doubled down on that moving forward.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think the programmatic and direct business compete. I think it's just a way to transact. So a lot of our advertisers transact money in the upfront and then we let them choose. Do you want to do this programmatically or do you want to do this direct? For us, it's about making it easier to transact at scale. And when you're doing audience-based buying, like programmatic technology does make it easier for them to scale audiences. So we're seeing a, a shift and uptick in programmatic um, executions.
1: I think what I read a lot is folks immediately equate programmatic to everything's transacting in a big open market, uh, purely auction-based, right? I'm assuming that's not what you all in, encounter in, in, in I and mean, how the business works. a large
3: percentage of our deals are programmatic guaranteed, which is just like an I.O. It's just automated.
1: Yeah. Agreed. I think it comes
2: down to guaranteed versus non-guaranteed, right? The... A uh, number of brands that have moved into PG, again, to, to buy the content that they want, now being able to sprinkle in and do some audience targeting uh, alongside that. You know, it's, for us, it's always going to be content plus audience. And um, you know, again, supporting the way that they need to transact. You know, if, it, if it helps make their lives easier, then that's what we're in the business of doing. So we've got to figure out how to make uh, Fox and our
1: content a, a very easy ad to any, any media campaign. So changing gears a little bit, Jamie, earlier you mentioned the term addressable, which is kind of a term that I would say has varying definitions across the industry. So how do you and the Disney organization define the term addressable? Like, What does that mean?
3: Um, So I would say addressable is identifying an audience using first, second, or third-party data. The audience could be switchers in the soup category. The audience could be a demographic. And sending a message to the IP, the household, the device ID. Uh, I think the early definition of addressable was, you know, sending it to the set-top box, but uh, to the household level. But I think now, when we live in this world of crazy fragmentation, you almost need programmatic technology to aggregate the audiences at scale. So I would say programmatic is addressable.
1: Dan, you have the, you guys have the same definition of addressable? Is everything everything? I would take a step back i don't think everything is addressable today
2: right there still are dark spots where we're not getting past those right signals we're not getting past the information we need to make that addressable target happen i agree in the first second third party data application for us our addressable business is still primarily um, direct meaning io tag based we are going and making forecasts and reservations on that on that segment, on that audience, to again, hit the right device. And the mechanics of how Jamie defined it are certainly, uh, we're aligned with that. But I, I do think we think about Direct, which can be demo-based and People 2 Plus. You've got Addressable, which can be a wide array of custom segments and targets. And then you have Programmatic, where there is a data-driven element to it, but those are sort of the three, the three buckets that we define uh, that make up our, our digital business.
1: And, and where are we going on this front? If you go out three, four, five years Is everything in the television ecosystem addressable? What do you think that looks like?
2: I think that the opportunity to make it addressable will be there. I I don't think in five years we will be at a footprint that is 100% addressable. Again, I think uh, you look at what Apple's doing, you look at some of the desktop and mobile obfuscation of of targeting signals, uh, Amazon, right? So there are going to be walled gardens that I, I don't think... Uh, a programmer is going to be able to access on an addressable basis. I think you broaden that to linear television, and there's a lot of great momentum and excitement around making linear commercials impression-based and bringing more data and targeting to the fold there. I think that's a whole nother tangled web of systems and processes that we've got to get our house in order or continue to get our house in order on the digital side um, to make that fully addressable first with the set-top box, video on demand, streaming, um, and then maybe look a little bit further out, you know, does linear and digital become streaming altogether? I think so, 10 plus years, but probably not five.
3: I mean, I think in five years, the technology, I mean, the technology I think is already here to make the entire ecosystem addressable. Uh, I don't think that it will be addressable because I think that you have to listen to like what a brand's trying to achieve. But I think in theory, everything could be addressable today. And the majority of the market actually is enabled with addressable technology. Um, But if you look at like building a brand, you need you still need that awareness you still need that brand equity so i think it's going to be a balance of how the technology is used but i, I think from like a tech standpoint i feel like we're there
2: interesting they must have good tech over there at disney <laughs> it's
3: not awesome it's the market it is
2: the marketplace i i think it's still it's still choppy like, like, like eighty
3: million of set-top boxes are addressable with, with technology yes you know and then if you look at the scale that's in streaming now i mean you could get to every single household in the united states with a targeted message Yes. through television content on streaming or set-top box.
2: Right, but I would say, like, if somebody was watching, uh, you know, a broadcast Entertainment Prime program on ABC through a uh, set-top box, you're still selling that unit in its oh, totality. Yeah. basically. I'm, I'm, yeah, saying,
3: yeah. I'm saying it exists. I'm not saying it's yes, being one web-
2: Yes, 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 yes. Uh, but, it, again, I, I have some issues there, and, and we you know, running out of time. But, you know, of, of the places that we've seen through the smart TVs and the set-top boxes today... You know, it really feels like maybe it's 45 million homes. I I don't know if it's up to 80, but I feel like that things are trending in that direction to give us the the opportunity or flexibility to service an addressable ad there.
3: Okay.
1: Agree to disagree on that one. Uh, I'm obligated to ask. You're obligated a lot of uh, obligations. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a lot of obligations here. Uh, I've got to ask the Netflix question, right? I think that's top of mind for everybody. So Jamie, we'll start with you. I mean, that's
3: so nice of you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, More news divulged around the ad supported offering, uh, which should be here in a few weeks. What are your thoughts on? on I'm not gonna
3: speak for Netflix. I will say that we have 14 years of streaming experience and it takes a while to have the data to make sure that you're serving ads in an appropriate manner that the consumers are receptive and it's a good good, uh, viewing experience. So that's kind of all I'll say is kind of how we approach it
1: so you're saying there's going to be a sizable learning curve just getting into no you just said that okay all right fair dan what do you think i I think it's exciting right
2: i mean we took a a position of being proudly ad supported we never put up a paywall or a a subscription uh capture to to block out our content so i think it's just uh sign of the times right that you've got sort of these ad supported models and these pivots back to advertising after you know, three years of speaking at ad conferences like this where we were so focused on places that didn't accept advertising. Um, it's just I think interesting that you know Netflix is now accepting ads. and uh, I'm curious to see what what the subscriber growth is. you know how many people they get in here on um,
1: at, at launch. It'll be very interesting. So I promised folks that I would not run over time and give them an extra five minutes to set up. Um, last question: uh, what do you think will be different? two years from now, that is perhaps something that would be a big surprise that is out of consensus right now? What do you you think a big surprise will be in this market, Jamie? We'll we'll start with you. I don't
3: have a big surprise. Um, I think the metrics are going to change. So I think that we'll see newer metrics like cost-per-mental reach point come into market. I think that we'll be using um, identity graphs, more interoperability, more, you know what I'm trying to say, Um, but we'll be able to use them in sync and you'll actually be able to pull out the data to see um, reach and frequency across the buy holistically and not in different kind of walled gardens.
1: Fair.
2: I agree with that. I mean, we announced our expanded partnership with Innovid last week with this exactly in mind, right? So what is linear plus streaming? How do we think about that viewing audience and consumption in totality? look, it's going to be very interesting. Roku's got light bulbs. They might have a toaster in two years. I don't know what the, the future pre-roll to get your bagel out of the toaster may look like in that Roku ad experience. But um, I mean, look, I, I would love to sit up here and say things will get easier. I think we've done a very good job the last couple of years of making things harder. I do think that some of these technical gaps and glitches are, are worked out. I do think we're back here talking about video and live content in, in totality and hopefully breaking down some of these uh, silos of, of linear and digital, and I think that is done through the Innovid stuff, through the cross-screen measurement stuff. Um, and look, the, the Nielsen 1 launch and pivot is going to be interesting, right? It's going to open up for that, that window in time about a year from now that truly some of these you know, currency competitors are going to have a, an open window to come in and, and be a replacement. So I think it's going to be exciting, um, but hopefully it gets easier.
3: So you think it's going to be easier? Do we agree on that?
1: Uh, yes.
2: Okay. It has to be, right? I mean, I think it can okay.
1: <laughs> Well, I want to thank you both for joining. I know it's a busy week here in New York. We really appreciate it and also thanks to all of you for for joining the session. Really appreciate it
0: thanks for listening. For more content like this, including information about Advertising Week's 2023 roster of amazing events for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, visit www.advertisingweek.com.